Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, good morning and welcome to all of you and all of you who are joining us online. Um, when I drove my car here uh, this morning, the welcome that I got, like from the parking lot to coming through the doors to be offered coffee, to be asked if I needed anything. It was just, this is such a welcoming church, and I'm just so grateful for uh, that and for the team that make that all happen. So I'm glad that you're here this morning, and uh, I'm delighted to be with you. And before I'm finished my message this morning, there's really just one thing that I want you to understand, and that is that God wants you and I to have a reference point in our lives. I'm gonna begin by telling you an Irish story. My family are Northern Irish, and I love uh, going back there, and I love to visit my family that are there, cousins and, and relatives. I've also been going back and doing some ministry there and leading some tours there, taking people on a spiritual pilgrimage around the sites where St. Patrick was. Love it there. When I'm, when I'm back in Ireland, I, it just feels like roots go down through, the, through my feet and into the soil, and I just feel like I'm at home there. Well, uh, as my father was aging, He used to go back to Ireland every year. We had immigrated to Canada. Our family had immigrated to Canada. And he started to ask me if I would come with him to just help him get around and to see all the family uh, while we were there. And so uh, on one of these trips, uh, my, my dad told me that he wanted to make a trip uh, to go and visit my brother's mother-in-law. Uh, my brother uh, had married a wonderful woman from Carrick-on-Sur, which is uh, in, the, in the Republic of Ireland in the south, uh, and it's near Waterford, if you're uh, looking on a map. And uh, in the whole time that my brother had been married to his wife, my dad had never met uh, her, her mother, and he decided that he wanted to do that. Now... Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because this was happening at a time during what the Irish called the Troubles. Now, the, it's just such a lovely Irish thing to call it, the Troubles. The Troubles was a war, basically, that took place for uh, 30 years, 1968 to 1998, uh, when the Easter Accord was signed. Um, yeah, the Troubles, got a bit of trouble. You know, uh, a lot of people died during the Troubles. (laughs) So that's taking place. My family come from Northern Ireland, and uh, we were going to be traveling into the Republic of Ireland. There are two countries on this small island. You know, I I tell people in, in Ireland that your whole island can fit into a lake in Manitoba. Well, not a lake. It can fit into Hudson's Bay in Manitoba. So 
we were, um, all our family were gathered together and uh, one of my cousins said, so what do you lads have planned for tomorrow? And I said, well, uh, dad asked if I would drive him to Carrick on Sur. And that suddenly the room just went still. Because we're talking about crossing the border. We're also, they were, they were puzzled or maybe paralyzed by the distance that that would be to travel that far. Now, Ireland, tip to tip, if we can, I've got a map here. If we can put the map up, that'll help to, to uh, show you. But from one tip of Ireland to the other, we're actually not seeing the whole island here, but it's 476 kilometers. Like, that's like driving to Penticton. But they think you should break the trip up into a couple of days because it's quite a, quite a journey. Get the car checked out, check the air in your tires, do all of this if you're going to, to make a trip like that. So it's a distance thing. They're having, their heads, having a hard time getting their heads around that. And then it's also uh, the fact that we were going from the north into the south. And so ha after sort of getting over the shock with, with my clan, I said, is there anyone who can give me some driving directions to help me get there? And the room again was just silent. And then they said, none of us have ever been to the Republic. Now for us here in Chilliwack, you know how close we are to the US border? It's like that for them. And they'd never been across. So I wasn't gonna get any help there and I started to pick up some dishes and I took the dishes into the kitchen uh, just cleaning up. And my cousin Morris came in with a load of dishes too. And then he carefully looked around to make sure no one else was within hearing distance. And he leaned over to me and he said, I've been to the Republic. <laughs> and I can help you. So I promised to not share with anybody that he had been to the Republic. He actually, he goes across the border just like we would, some people would, to buy gas because it's less expensive. So Morris gave me these instructions and um, the troubles that I was talking about um, over this 30-year period, it was a conflict that was, it's primarily political and nationalistic. It's always talked about in a sectarian way, meaning they, people talked about the troubles as being between the Catholics and the Protestants. But this was not a religious conflict. And there were a lot of people killed during this time. And so there's, there is some caution about making the trip. And when my father and I left that day, uh, we got to the, we had to cross the border. And the border crossing was a military crossing. So this is not 
like we would experience going from Canada to the United States. This is a full-blown search your car for bombs and weapons and search you kind of thing to get across. Because we were come from Canada, it made it uh, a bit easier than I think it would be for people who actually live there. So my cousin Morris had told me, you're on this main road after you go through the border crossing. Just keep driving straight down until you're close, getting close to Dublin. And you'll come to a little village called Swords. Now, Swords today is almost like a suburb of, of Dublin, but in, at that time, it was like a set-apart little village. And Morris said, there's a red petrol station on your right-hand side. Pull into the red petrol station and ask them for directions to get you to uh, Carrick-on-Sur. So my dad and I were driving, it was a beautiful day, enjoying the scenery, and we come to Swords, and sure enough, there's the red petrol station, and uh, I pulled the, the car over, and uh, my dad stayed in the car, and I went into the petrol station. Now, those of you listening, you've got a picture of a gas station that's not like this one. This is like an old village, two pumps out at the front, um, kind of corner store sort of place. It didn't have like Slurpees and things. This was just a uh, little village gas station. And I walked in the door and there were three Irishmen talking together. Now at this point, I want you to use your imagination. And I want you to think of a stereotypic picture of an Irishman. Tweed jacket, tweed tam on their heads, two of them smoking pipes in the gas station, um, and they were all having a great chat. And then I walk in, and uh, there was a little bell on the door. Um, hardly knew what that was for, because it was only like eight feet deep. But um, as I walked in, they welcomed me. And I said, ah, thank you, you know. I said, um, I am driving my father. I said, we're from Canada, and I'm wanting to get to Carrick-on-Sur, and I was told that if I stopped here, you'd be able to give me directions. And there's a bunch of banter going back and forth, you know, oh, you're from Canada, eh? Where about in Canada are you from, you know? And there, all this little chatter. And then I'm, I'm anxious to get the directions. And I had a little notebook with me. And so this one man said, come now, I'll, I'll give you directions. Well, he, he takes me and he says, follow, you know, follow me. So we go out of the gas station and he's walking, I'm walking alongside of him. He walks me right out to the center line of the highway. Now, highway is a bit of a reach because it's more like a road. But we're standing, what, you can't give me directions like over there? No, we have to be in the middle of the, middle of the road. And he said to me, he said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go this way. And he says, you'll come to a road. You can't miss it. Now, if an Irishman ever says you can't miss it, you totally can miss it. <laughs> you can't miss it. And when you get there, 
I want you to turn this way. And he physically turned his body, and he goes, and I want you to go this way. And stay on that road. It, had, it was a numbered road. Stay on that road, and you'll get there. I didn't write a thing down on my notepad. And so I thanked him and wanted to get off the road. And he went back into the gas station, wished me well, and I got into the car with my father. And my father said, what's all that about? And I said, uh, oh, those were our directions. I said, let me run it through for you. I said, we're going to go down this way, and we're going to come to a road. We can't miss it. And then we're going to go this way, and we're going to just keep driving, and we'll get there. Now, if you look closely at a map of Ireland, you will find it is covered with, they were really like farming roads that they went through. It, it's just like a spider web of roads that go through. And uh, I, I'm a little concerned about this, but my dad says, oh, come on, you know, let's, let's go. So we, we start down. I made a, I turned this way when I got to the road that I couldn't miss, and I kept driving, and um, the, I'm, I'm just hesitating telling you that I got terribly lost. I got really lost. We were supposed to be at, um, my brother and my brother's mother-in-law's place for supper with her entire family coming at 5 p.m. And we pulled in at 8 p.m. Yeah, all the people who do entertaining just groaned right now. <laughs> and we, we came in and um, we did have a lovely um, meal with them and a great getting to know them and meet them and everybody's, we, we're, we're getting along quite well. And then what is typical in an Irish home is that when you're finished a meal with the family, you, you leave the kitchen where you've been eating or the dining eating area and you move into a sitting room and everybody crowds into the sitting room. Mom, dad, grandpa, children, grandkids, dogs, they're all in there. There's a small, small little fireplace with a peat fire burning in it, which has a real smoky air to it. And it's story time. And you go in there, there's no television, there's no radio, there's no listening to music. You go in and you share life together, you share stories. And so we went in and they all started to talk about what their day was like and things that they, and, and interesting stories that we might be interested in about the area where they lived. And, and then my father says, Carson, tell them the story about the petrol station. So I thought, oh, this is, I actually thought, like, this is a better story than any of the other stories that have been told there that evening. So I got up by the peat fire, and I told them about the three Irishmen in the petrol station, and him taking me out onto the road, saying, I want you to go this way, and you'll come to a road, you can't miss it, and then I want you to turn this way, and keep driving, 
And then I added the, the, the part, this is, this is part of my experience, that at the end of that, the man um, put his hands on my shoulders as though he were going to bless me. He put his hands on my shoulders and he looked right in my eye and he said, and don't forget to be looking behind you to make sure you're going in the right direction. <laughs> and I thought, what? So, so while I'm telling this in the story time, and I go, and I'm building up, this is the big, this is the big punchline, you know? And don't forget to be looking behind you to make sure you're going in the right direction. And my dad and I burst out laughing, and no one else in the room laughed. <laughs> and then Mrs. Whalen said to me, well, did you? <laughs> and, and I'm... I'm going, did, did you what? Did you look behind you to make sure you're going in the right direction? And I'm, I'm like, I'm probably like you, I'm really puzzled about this. And then her son explained to me what was going on. And he said that when Ireland joined the European Union in 1973, they were the second poorest country in the Union. And because of that, they got a lot of money in subsidies to help them build their infrastructure. And one of the things that they wanted to spend the money on was putting up road signs. <laughs> Novel, they've gone for hundreds of years without them, but they were gonna put up road signs. And they started uh, far, as far away from Dublin as you could get, and they, they started marking the roads moving towards Dublin. But they ran out of money. And so there are no signs going the direction we were going. And the only way I could tell if I was on the right numbered road was to look behind me and get a point of reference on the signs. So by me not looking back, I had no point of reference. Well, a point of reference is, by definition, it is a fact that forms the basis of an evaluation it, it, or an assessment. It's our criterion by which we make decisions to do this or to do that. And all of us actually have reference points in our lives, and they provide us with our daily bearings. Hell, I'm not only Irish, I'm a sailor. And um, as a sailor, uh, we sail with, with charts. And I brought a picture of a portion of a chart here, if they can put this up on the screen for you. So this is Bowen Island, uh, Keats Island, just over on, by the Sunshine Coast there. And if you'll notice at the, uh, there's a tiny marker, it's, I can't, at the very uh, sort of bottom edge there of Bowen Island, there's a black marker that's there. If I'm out in my sailboat, that's telling me that there is a physical marker planted into the rock of that island at that specific location. And any place where there's a nautical marker, it's attached to the ground. It may be a buoy that's out in the ocean, but the buoy is anchored to the ocean floor. 
Uh, it might be a lighthouse, uh, or it could be one of these markers. But because those markers are fixed, it can help a sailor to know exactly where you are, and it gives you critical information and your orientation in a very disorienting uh, ocean. It's this time of year when the fog starts to appear out here in British Columbia. If you're out sailing and the fog rolls in, it's, it's almost frightening because it's so hard to figure out where you're at. So in our lives, what do we look at to make sure we're going in the right direction? How can we figure that out? Well, today, meaning right now or in this season, in this year, we are experiencing the impact of expressive individualism on our culture and on the mindset, actually, of many Christians. I read about it in the book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. And in that book, uh, he spoke about how expressive individualism says the only way that we can be true to yourself is to look inside yourself, not outside to God or any other external reference. And in order, if, if we do that, if we look inside ourselves, then we can define who we are psychologically, uh, sexually, and spiritually. Expressive individualism is all about the insistence on personal autonomy. It's the idea that I own myself. I'm my own person. I belong to myself. And I come up with my own rules for life and for behavior. So I want to get you thinking about the world that we live in and how many people are drawing unbiblical conclusions about all sorts of moral and spiritual issues. Let's not unthinkingly imbibe in this worldview. As Christians, it, the scriptures say we've been bought for a price. We actually belong to somebody. Romans 14, verses 7 and 8, it says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So this morning, I'm not, I'm not telling you what to think, but I'm inviting you to think about these things. We need a point of reference. We need to get direction for our lives. And I believe that we get that reference point from the Bible, from Scripture. We need to ask ourselves, to whom do I belong? Or do I ever act like I belong to myself? Or do I, as Paul says, belong to God? 
2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17, when it's, it's talking about the scriptures, and it says that the scriptures are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then the next verse goes on to say that this leads to completeness and equipping for every good work. But there's a problem. In an abundance of Bible translations, videos, podcasts, devotionals, our lack of knowledge of and our commitment to reading the Bible has not kept pace with the availability. Perhaps technology has just made it difficult for us to concentrate. The Bible gets displaced by Instagram and Twitter or YouTube, and I'm a user of all of those. So I'm not, I'm not putting them down as tools, but perhaps the Bible has just been displaced by those things. I had a Bible study with um, some young adults, and they were wanting to learn more about the Bible because they realized they just, there's a lot of gaps in their development around the Bible. And I asked them this one day to turn to Second Peter. Now, the, uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it, it can be a bit of a confusing book. And so I was watching them as they were flipping through like every page trying to find a Second Peter. Uh, Second Peter, by the way, is in the last third of the Bible. So, you, uh, so they're going through this, and then, then this young woman says to me, I wonder why they call it Second Peter. And I told her, well, actually, it follows right after First Peter. And she went, wow, there's a First Peter? And I go, yeah, yeah, there is. It says something to me <laughs> about our needing to spend more time in the Scriptures. Uh, on another occasion with the same group of people, I was talking to them about being obedient to God. And I said, um, you don't want to be a Jonah. And this one young man said, what's a Jonah? And at this point, I said, oh, come on. Like the whale, the big fish? And he just went, no. I said, being swallowed by the whale. Did you never watch Veggie Tales? And he said, or, or then one of the women said, that was the generation before us. They didn't have Veggie Tales. They didn't watch it. Now, it's not just young adults. I do executive mentoring, um, and there was a Christian leader who was in a uh, he was a, a Christian businessman, and he was in a, a very difficult situation. And um, he's in—he's in a—he was having his own troubles. <laughs> um, and I asked him. I said, "What does the Bible say about your behavior?" 
and he just stared at me, and this is a man raised in the church. He just stared at me and he said, I don't know. The, the lack of knowledge around Scripture um, is very prevalent. And I also work with a lot of Christian leaders, like pastors and people leading Christian organizations. And I, I find, and I, and I would say of myself as a pastor, when I was pastoring in a church, I would spend a lot of time in the Bible, but it was all for the purpose of preparing a, a message. And there's a difference between doing that, reading the Bible, reading books about the Bible, <laughs> using the Bible to prepare messages than reading it for personal nourishment and quiet time and reference in your own life. So there's many who um, need, need to be encouraged. Maybe you need to be encouraged uh, to read more. And let me tell you why. Because God created us so that our spirit would live off the word of God. In Matthew 4, verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then in Luke 4, verse 4, when Jesus was being tempted by the evil one to turn a stone into bread, the Bible says that Jesus answered him, and he quotes this verse, and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. In Ephesians 6, verse 17, it tells us that you and I, as Christians, are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle, and in order to do battle, we are going to need the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So we need it. We need it for nourishment. We need the sword of the Spirit to engage in a life that is not just physical, but a spiritual battle that we are in. So what can you and I do to regain a point of reference in our lives? I want to suggest three things to you this morning. The first one is, get a Bible. And I want to qualify that by saying, get a paper Bible. I worked at Trinity Western University, and there's a lot of research that's been done about digital learning. And the research is showing that the brain processes physical and digital materials differently. And print reading is kind of like um, meditating on the Word. Uh, it's focusing our attention on something that's still, not something that you can flick with your finger. In Psalm 1, verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the, law of the Lord, and on his law, or on the scriptures, he meditates day and night. So if you need a Bible, um, let us know here at the church, and we'll give you one, free of charge. Uh, you can head over to the Next Step Center as you're leaving here. Uh, there were many Bibles picked up this morning, so don't, 
don't be embarrassed. Uh, we, it's our gift to you, and we want to ensure that uh, you have that. So that's number one, get a Bible. Number two, put some scripture to memory. Uh, when I was uh, 17 and 18 years of age, uh, there was a man in my life named Bernie Smith. And Bernie challenged a group of us to memorize Psalm 1. And so let's look at it, and I'd, I'd like us to read this out together. If you could put it up on the screen for me. So let's read it in unison. Okay? Blessed is the one... Okay, just let, let's start over. <laughs> oh. Okay. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. If we could leave that up there for just a moment, if you, if you take a look at this, um, verse 1, even though it's using three negatives, uh, it's talking about the importance of allowing absolutely no compromise of evil so that evil becomes a habit in your life. Verse 2, it shows the positive effect uh, of godliness and the means by which it may be uh, achieved. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and its leaves do not wither. And then in verse 3, there's a description of what results when a righteous walk is practiced. Like, that's, oh, sorry, that's in the, that second paragraph there. And then it goes on to say um, what happens if the other side. So it's a, it's a story of two paths. You can take that down now. It's a story of two paths. And the paths are that a righteous path, which leads to peace and happiness and fulfillment. And then there's the wrong path. Uh, those who are... Um, well, if I say wicked, they're, they're not living a righteous, godly life. And it, yield, it yields destruction in the end. So, a, a few questions about this. Are there areas of my life that are showing signs of spiritual ethical or moral compromise? Are there some places where I'm, I'm just letting some things go right now? Or does my life resemble the kind of tree that's described in Psalm 1, yielding fruit in season? 
A third question we can ask ourselves is, should I put an end to some of the things that are dragging me down? You know, Psalm 1 is a great wisdom psalm, and it's a great psalm to memorize. And if you have children or grandchildren, uh, encouraging them to do this. I'm a grandpa, I have seven grandchildren, and um, as I was preparing for this message and I was thinking about Psalm 1, I thought, I'm gonna pay my grandkids to memorize Psalm 1. If they memorize Psalm 1, I'm gonna pay them to do it because I wanna get God's word into them. And to uh, now they're all hearing this on TV going, yes! <laughs> so, get a Bible. Secondly, let's memorize some of it. Third thing we can do is we can make a commitment to try to read through the Bible. Now, uh, we have put together, I, there's, I've got eight questions that I've created that you can use when you read any section of Scripture. So you could read, you could pick Second Peter, and you could read one chapter from Second Peter, and then you ask eight questions about the chapter. And it will help you go deeper into the Word and understand it more. And we've made that available to you along with a Bible reading plan. And all you have to do is text the word READ to the church phone number and uh, 604-670-3040. Text us there and we'll send that to you right away. And you'll get these eight questions are terrific and you can use them by yourself, you can use them with your spouse, uh, you can uh, just whatever, uh, small group perhaps that you're with, group of guys that you get together with, I uh, really want to encourage you to just pick that up. Just text the word READ to the church phone number here. You know, the ultimate reference point for you and I, for followers of Jesus, the ultimate reference point is Jesus. The great goal of reading the Bible and studying it is simply this, knowing and enjoying Jesus. I look to Jesus for how I'm to live. I look to Jesus for how I'm to love other people. And yet, the sources for us to know about the life of Jesus of Nazareth are in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then some other references in the, in the book of Acts and Revelation uh, in the New Testament. And we need to read those in order to know him. So reading your Bible is one of the foundational disciplines for a believer. And developing this spiritual discipline in our lives is not optional if we want to grow spiritually. It is vital to our spiritual growth and it's as vital as the air we breathe as that second worship song we, we sang this morning. Bible reading is also a regular prompt in our lives about our own failures, um, our need to repent, and our need to 
cast ourselves upon Jesus again and his grace. You know, if we don't read the Bible, we don't understand his grace. And if we don't understand his grace, how do we truly um, receive it and how will we be able to offer it to that same grace to those around us? So, as I say, we've, we've created this series of questions that you can use to get more out of your Bible reading. And you can use these on your own with a loved one in a small group. Uh, just text the word READ, and we'll get those resources to you. And a reminder that if you don't have a Bible, go to the Next Steps Center, and we'll gladly give, give you one to those who are here in the sanctuary with us. So, my main point is, we all need a point of reference. And I want to point you towards Jesus. And how do you know about Jesus? You read about him in his word. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, thank you that you've given us a written testimony of the life of Jesus. Thank you that we can look at his life and get not just ideas, we get demonstrations of how to live our lives as Christians today. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at your word, that you would open our eyes to the truth of it. I pray for wisdom for my sisters and brothers here as we prepare to read your word, that you'll give clarity while we read. I also pray for discernment as to how we should apply your word to, to our hearts and to our lives. Let your word change our actions. And I pray the truth of, uh, that, that we will find while we're reading your word will transform our hearts and our minds to follow more after you. Lord, let your word change my actions. May we be transformed by it and follow more closely after you. I pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, I didn't want this. This is not a guilt-inducing uh, talk to you. I'm just saying for us to be nourished and strengthened, we need to be in God's Word. And so as a church community, let's commit to doing that together. So... Um, Thanks for being attentive. Thanks to those online. Now, let's get out there and let's start reading. And we'll see you back here at Southside next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.